Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very short episode of our, I guess at this point, ongoing coverage of the Superman show. I refuse to call it by its actual name. I will just call it Superman 2023. This is episode five. You will believe a man can lie. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. We are Uncanny Treks. Matt, are you shocked that no Superman thing that I'm aware of has ever thought of the, the joke you will believe a man can lie before? I thought it was called You Can Believe a Man Can Fly, just like the original Christopher Reeve Superman. Yeah, that was the tagline for the yeah the 78 film. Right. When I went back to look, I was like, oh, it was You Will Believe a Man Can Lie. And I was like, oh, <laughs> they really got me with that one. I didn't even hear it correctly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That, that's really good. Really good. It's such a good pun that it doesn't even register as a pun. It just slides exactly. into the original thing. I was impressed. <laughs> yeah, and it made sense in regards to the episode. So, And also, like, the larger Superman mythos, especially, like, in the Silver Age, when the whole emphasis is on him deceiving and tricking Lois and Jimmy, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's his, that was his whole spiel. He was supposed to be this great human, but he was having to lie to everyone at the same time to keep himself protected. <laughs> and, the, and the ones he loved protected. I, I want to keep this tight so we don't have to go off on it too far, but did you have any thoughts about when Bendis had Superman come out publicly as Clark Kent a couple of years ago, or, or did you even read that stuff? I didn't really read much of it. I just know that that was going to be the basis, possibly, for how they were going to handle Superman later on in like the films, if I remember uh... correctly. And that had me interested, because it's like, okay, so you're not going to have that Clark Kent component? It reminds me of the whole Kingdom Come thing because I don't think yeah, Clark Kent was yeah. around then. Like he had basically like retired that whole yeah shtick. <laughs> well, and he would have still there would have still been elements of the Clark Kent thing, but you're right that inevitably it probably would have downplayed over time if they kept going with it, right? Well, right, because it's such a stupid disguise, <laughs> generally <laughs> to begin with. You know, you... I, I well, I, I maybe disagree with that slightly, but it's 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 not worth arguing about. Um, no. I, I will say, we might look at Bendis comics at some point since we've seemed to have morphed into a comic review show, among other things. But those episodes haven't dropped yet, though, folks. So just wait. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. Here we come. <laughs> uh, that's what everybody loves. Those year old comic reviews. <laughs> um, year year old comic reviews of ten year old comics. I mean, my quick review of the Bendis thing would be not as bad as people online say because people online are insane and some truly interesting ideas, but ultimately the execution wasn't really there. I mean, I, it's not memorable, honestly, so I'm thinking that it must not have been that great because it didn't really stick. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody assumed that the, well, if the movies didn't pick it up, which I didn't know about that angle, but I think the general assumption was that the Clark Kent identity would be restored rather quickly. It's like the next writer, like like Josh, like Josh Williamson is like the next big ongoing writer on a Superman book, and he immediately resets it admittedly in a very clever way yeah and i love bendis too i mean some of his stuff's been really good yeah bendis is real hit or miss with me he's written some of my favorite comics and some of my least favorite comics but it's certainly the online anti-bendis brigade just they're totally unfair to him but he he, he wrote ultimate spider-man correct i'm not i'm gonna make sure yeah, i'm the right yeah. guy yeah ultimate yeah, spider-man he... is where i was kind of introduced to him yeah, and I think you've read more of that than I have. I've, I've only read, like, the first maybe 40 issues of the Peter stuff, and then I've read most of the Miles stuff, but not all the Miles stuff that Bendis wrote. All right, Bob, so back to this episode. Let's talk a sure, little sure. bit about the details. 
Yeah, so they, they have a little reference to Sub Diego, Matt. Have you ever heard of that? No, but it sounds like Aquaman territory. You would be right. I, I don't know the gimmick at really well because I never read Aquaman comics, but at some point I think a part of San Diego like fell into the sea and the citizens developed, you know, kind of spontaneous gills through something. And so Aquaman became the protector of Sub Diego. Okay. So kind of like Lost City of Atlantis, but for America. Yeah, I assume that was the idea. I also sort of wonder if like the, you remember that Coast City comic we had where it's oh. like the funeral for Coast City and like yes. Aquaman is, yeah. I kind of wonder if they, if the writer hadn't read that and I'm like, oh yeah, there's more potential here. That actually would be kind of cool had Coast City turned into Sub Diego, but yeah. <laughs> Can't have everything, can't oh, have everything. Man. So uh, I had no idea about most of these gang members who show up in this episode. I'm not sure if we're supposed to know them or if they're references to old uh, villains or not, but I guess it, it slowly becomes apparent over the course of the episode that the ginger guy who's sort of the main one is the flash villain heat wave. Okay. Yeah. I, I kept thinking of conduit looking at yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause I, I did too, but forgot to put it. But in the it, it was yeah. too, he was just too one off for me to think it was him. Cause you know, conduit was supposed to be like Kenny Braverman or whatever, you know, Clark's childhood friend slash foil. Well, you say that, but I don't know with the way this show rolls, I could see them doing conduit as a one-off, but he doesn't seem like a random ass character though. Yeah. Which yeah. heat wave would be like, well, you got a flash villain yeah. in the Superman show. Are we happy about the answer to the whole reason as to why they all have tech based weaponry, Bob? So I don't think I followed this super closely. So they, the government just harvested Superman's rocket ship. Is that the idea? Okay, I guess that also is maybe why we were thinking conduit, right? Because I if I don't remember the details, but conduit is also somehow like linked to the rocket ship, right? Yeah, he touched like his in Smallville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point during it, Superman like touches the metal or something, and he has these flashbacks to Krypton or or his past or the ship or I don't know what it was. Whatever happened to the people? So I'm guessing that the technology is Kryptonian and that it hardens, it keeps memories, sort of. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, yeah. And I guess I should say, because I'm not sure if we're explaining this clearly enough for people who are watching the show but haven't, like, read the comics. Like, Conduit was the big mystery villain immediately post-Zero Hour in Superman, and he was, like, really built up, kind of like Hush would be, like, ten years later or maybe five years later about like, oh, this, you know, this huge, big boss, dastardly villain with like a link to Superman's past. And then the revelation is, is that he was Clark's like, you know, childhood rival slash good friend, uh, Kenny Braverman, who, yeah, I think when he was like in womb or being born or something, had a had an encounter with the rocket and it mutated him. Pretty interesting villain. I'm very surprised they have not brought him back. Yeah, I don't more. think he's been used much since then. And I guess, like this, kind of humorously enough, the story, I'm calling it the post-Zero Hour story, but, you know, they'd already done the death of Superman at that point, so they were marketing as the death of Clark Kent, right? Correct, yes. It was the death of Clark Kent. One other thing, too, with me is they actually did make an action figure of Conduit. I remember, I remember. But by that, I can't really use that logic because they also made an action figure of Massacre, who only had two appearances, so... Oh, I thought Massacre was a, around a little more than that. He had like a, there was a back-to-back -back issue and that was, I thought that was it. No, no, he, uh, we, I don't think we read this all the way through, but the big story, wasn't the big story after uh, Death of Clark Kent, the trial of Superman? Oh, yes, yes. Was he in that? And 
I think so. I, I, I think I remember like him and Superman both being like in a space prison in Trial of Superman. Well, uh, I, I stand corrected then. I'll, I'll take a look into that. I, just never, I didn't even think about Massacre until I mentioned the action figure thing. I was like, oh yeah, can't really <laughs> use that logic because they made some really random ass action figures of characters that did not expect them to do that. I didn't remember that there was a Massacre action figure. The only two I remember are the Conduit and then the black suited Superman. From, uh, yeah, from Massacre came, yeah, it was like a two-pack. I don't know why I remember this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of information that should be deleted from my brain and replaced with, like, you know, I don't know, professional information that would help me. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah. Uh, what other toys do you remember from that line? Uh, what other action figures do you remember from that Superman I mean, you line? had all the Reign of Superman characters except for Cyborg. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I remember the Steel one. I don't really remember the Eradicator or the Superboy one. You know what? There wasn't an Eradicator. I take that back. There was just Superboy and Steel. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you probably remember all of them then. And they're like, there wasn't a real Superman, right? There was just the Kryptonian uh, black black suit, battle suit Superman. Oh, there was Mullet Superman. Oh, there was a Mullet Superman. That was the issue because like it was all during that time. So all these action figures were pretty much from the comics we were reading, uh-huh. which is why it was so freaking badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was because I remember the situation with the the to- the Batman toys for Batman the animated series was you couldn't get a real Batman. You could all you you could get plenty of Batman, but they were all like Batman in like some stupid like Arctic suit, urban camouflage suit, what have you. There was no just like Batman Batman figure. So they had Conduit was one of them massacre. They had a Doomsday, oh, Lex yeah, Luthor. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think that was actually. It for the villains. There weren't that. That was the that was the other problem. You know, they weren't. They were really scraping the bottom of the barrel for Superman villains. They never made okay. a Brainiac. Well, Matt, you know how to repair that deficit in Superman villains? How, oh, Bob? Superman needs to fight the Mothman. <laughs> yeah, I, that would be yeah, good. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy, in addition to Sub Diego, references the Mothman, and I'm a. I, I like the Mothman stories. So Superman versus Mothman would make me happy. Um, another little bit of trivia is that there's a bar called McGinnis, which I think is, you know, in addition to the beer, is a shout out to the Superman, Batman artist Ed McGinnis. Yeah, I think this is the first time we haven't seen it as Bibbo's. <laughs> yeah. It's like the only bar in Metropolis. <laughs> so I'm not exactly sure how I feel about this episode, and I think you have maybe some complaints we're fixing to get to. But I do just want to say... I. In some ways, I think the show is starting to win me over, and especially, I still hate Deathstroke. I deeply, deeply hate Deathstroke, but I have to. I really have to shout out the choreography for the handcuff uh, gag with Lois and Superman being handcuffed, and then the choreography of the Deathstroke Superman fight. I thought both were like excellent examples of an- good animation. You know, I, I agree. It's it's about. I think you heard me wrong earlier. It's it is good. Oh, I thought I thought you I thought you disliked this. No, 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 no. I think I see. Oh, yeah, okay. when I heard it earlier, I was like, "Well, I think Bob heard me wrong." Like, no, I'm fine oh, I'm with it. I think it's getting better. Like, it's getting where I want to watch the fucking show. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Join the show too, Bob. Like, I think that I don't know. I think it's just we haven't had enough like enough Superman animated. We haven't had an animated Superman show like this in so long that it just feels fresh, and I can get past the anime stuff because I can skip the intro. I don't have to listen to like the ending part and I can still like, if, if it gets really lame, I can look at my phone for like half a second, avoid the whole anime crap and then look back up. That is the nice thing about the anime style is that it's fast paced enough that if there is cringe, it won't be on the screen for that long. 
because there's definitely some cringe that does not apply to me, but then I always put myself in perspective and say, yeah, I'm hit, getting, I'm getting close to 40, so it's not for, <laughs> supposed to be for me anymore. But most yeah. people don't do this, though. You know that, right? Like most people, yeah, like yeah. Uh, most people are just like, oh, why is this not what I want right now? But no, this is like I would have. Yeah. Lo- I think I too would have loved this in elementary, late elementary school as a teenager, maybe if I was like into, you know, if, if animation was the thing at that time. And then it's just a good Superman show in general if you're a fan. It's also kind of weird because it's just like, man, you th- you'd think if Warners were competent, like, yeah, we were a little too old for the anime explosion, but the anime explosion was very much there, you know, late 90s, early aughts. Oh, and yeah. It's just like, <laughs> why, why wasn't this show the immediate successor to Superman in the animated series in Justice League? Why did, why did they have to literally late, wait for the kids in the late 90s and the early aughts who were into both anime and Superman to get old enough to make this show, right? Because Bob, they're the ones that are now making it, and they're yeah. making it—they're making it for themselves in a sense. But also, <laughs> I guess yeah. That's but why. I feel like an important part of, especially like pop media, like comics and like other things, is you got to be able to figure out how to reverse engineer what the kids want, you know. And that's why DC Comics is going out of business. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that you're, you're right. You're right. No, that's uh, no argument here, son. No argument here. It's a, it's amazing to me that it's conceivable that in within five years, like, you know, they might shut down DC Comics at uh, Discovery and they might just, you know, have like Dark Horse or um, IDW make some DC Comics, right? Well, yeah, or just or just these characters will be like Warner Brothers characters. It's just how they, you know, we have characters that are Disney characters now. But Yeah, and I, I think they would still license them out for comics, but it's oh, just, yeah. it, but it's just insane. Yeah, how, how, like, we went from... 52 new ongoing comics in 2011 right to how many how many regular like mainline superhero universe comics does dc publish 15 or 20 now yeah and everything's either superman or batman yep although they they're trying to get better about that with dawn of dc not always successfully but they're trying to diversify it a little bit with dawn of dc which i appreciate yeah i'm getting very disappointed in my weekly pirated list bob i need to to work on this yeah, yeah, same, same. <laughs> so, speaking of complaints, Matt, I will say that the the general who I, I assume at this point is probably Sam Lane uh, calling Amanda Waller Mandy feels really, really wrong. I, I'm not sure if that's, like, supposed to be, like, a sign of disrespect from him or if it's supposed to be, like, you know, like, the way we have, like, Ronnie Troop, you know, we're going to have Mandy Waller. We're rebranding the names of the characters a little yeah, bit. Yeah, please sure. call her Amanda Waller. Mandy Waller's just, ugh, I, don't, I don't care for that. And then I'm thinking this episode pretty much all but confirmed it's Sam Lane. That that's who that guy was. Remember, we were kind of in it. We were kind yeah. of not sure at first, because we we didn't see very much of him the first time, right? Yeah, and I think this is just going to lead to some daddy daughter drama now that Lois knows Clark is Superman. On the one hand, it makes perfect sense because like Lois's hatred of secrecy. Like, you know, it's a very sort of, like, Oedipal thing, right? It's a very sort of rejecting what her dad does thing. On the other hand, I I do think it maybe is going to feel a little forced. I mean, we'll see how they handle it. But just, like, the drama between Lois and Clark in this works pretty well. I And I don't know... I don't know if it's actually going to be benefited by adding, like, Sam Lane as an outside factor. Does that make sense? It does. But I don't think we've seen this before in animation like anything with sam wayne where he's this prominent i'm 
I'm sure he's in one of the DC movies they or a couple of the DC movies they've been putting out the last past 15 years, but I, I couldn't say for sure. I mean, it's an interesting take too. Then you have you know he he's apparently over Waller Project X yeah, or Project Suicide X, Squad, whatever yeah. they want. To or call sorry, it. Task Force X. My bad. Task Force which is X. which is I mean a little different from what we've seen before in the comics. Yeah, in, in, yeah. Other, in, in the other fourteen iterations of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I mean, we so have a damn I, video game coming out soon, Bob. With it's called Suicide Kills the Justice League or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a pretty good title. Yeah, and I'm like, that's that's that'll be a cool video game. But Jesus, like, I have seen more Suicide Squad in the last ten years than I think anything else. Well, it's also unfortunate because like the movies are pretty good. I I like the movies okay, but I I don't think that. There has ever been a good Suicide Squad comic, except for the original one in the late 80s, early 90s. I think every other Suicide Squad comic has sucked. I've read, you know, the first couple of arcs of the original, and it was, I don't know, if you haven't read it, pick it up and give it a shot. Because compared yeah, to the stuff like John, you see in the New 52, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or even DC Rebirth. It was a new idea at the time. And it was like taking some tropes from action movies, but also like taking the B and C list villains. And it was really good writing. Yeah, it's John Ostrander and his uh, then wife, Ken Yale, and then Luke McDonald on the art. It's really good. I've read all like 66 issues. I love that series. But partly through imitation, partly through just, I think, you know, some good writers have tried the Suicide Squad since, but they haven't done their best work, I think. It's just never, it's just never felt as good as it did from the late 80s to the early 90s. Well, it's sort of like X-Men. It's the combination of the characters you have on the team. So that can also be a weakness. Yeah, yeah. So one other thing to kind of bring up here. So you're you're finding the Lois and Clark drama pretty satisfying then? I'm fine with it now, yeah. Since he's already been exposed to Superman, I'm like, okay, we're past all that, you know, in episode five. Yes, this yeah, is good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to draw this out for the next two seasons. So I was shocked on Twi- when I went on Twitter on Friday. Like, I-, I didn't necessarily expect this, how much debate there was about, like, oh, is-, is Lois the asshole or is Clark the asshole? And how, like, gendered it seemed to be about who took what side. I just thought it was like really weird, man. I was just like, it's just good drama. Why do you have to pick a side? And it made me, well, and I, I kind of wanted to get your take on that first. Okay. So that's just the new way of watching television. I think <laughs> you're either with us or against us. I don't care. I just want to be entertained. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's about it. When I watch a show, I just, yeah. Unless yeah, it's, it's like, reality TV. Now, if it's reality TV, I will take a side. But if it's just a regular yeah. television well, show, I'm just like, okay, well, that was written in the well, Reality TV are like game shows, so it like makes sense to, like quote, take a side. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're really rooting for people, especially. But with, with, this, with, with a narrative piece like this, it's written in the script that way. It's, and it makes sense. Lois should be kind of pissed. He did lie to her. Yeah, yeah. And it, but also Clark's Clark's perspective makes sense. He's like literally known her for like you know even though he's into her, he's only known her for what like a month at most at this point. And she's also like super aggro about Superman. Like why yeah. would he tell her? Yeah, 
I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but it, it, yeah, it adds the drama. I don't yeah, really think yeah. I need to pick a side, one or the other. Yeah, and bo- both characters are right, which is, yeah. good, you know, that's good drama. Like, that's, you know, that's Hegel and Aristotle's definition of tragedy usually is that, you know, you have two competing valid claims collide, right? It's not gotten older. There's a song, but it goes, there ain't no good guys. There ain't no bad guys. There's only you and me, and we just disagree. It's all it is. It's really all it is. Matt's aged and found the wisdom of country music. Why, why attack it? And I think in some ways, too, it's like the logical extension of, it, of like stan culture that social media has kind of accelerated. And also, like, if you feel strong identification with a character, then, you know, you're more likely, obviously, to have a very aggro response to characters who are in their way in the narrative. But if you are listening to our podcast, folks, and our Strange New Worlds coverage, I'm going to start reading a couple of comments from Facebook people just to oh, get Bob's God. opinions. Oh, so, God. <laughs> so oh, be sure God. to check that out because we do like to read up on what people are thinking about this and, you know, what, they're, what, the, what the Twitter feed is below. What was it called now, Bob? It's not even Twitter. It's X now. I deleted I'm, mine, I'm, by the way. I didn't delete. I mean, I didn't delete the account, but I I, I deleted the app off my phone because I just got tired of I'm I'm torn. Like, I want to get off... Uh, uh, I'm going to keep calling it Twitter. I want to get off Twitter because it now looks like a porn tab in my browser. <laughs> I didn't even but, think that. I didn't even think I take that consideration. But did Elon I, Musk. <laughs> I, I, I don't have a Blue Sky account yet because I'm a loser. And I there is a part of me that's like, you go where the people are. And even though like, I think a lot of like interesting accounts have gone over to Blue Sky. My sense is that the vast number of users are still Twitter, are still on Twitter. That may that now that definitely may change. It, it it honestly at this point it just does seem like Elon Musk is literally trying to run uh, Twitter into the ground. But I I don't know. The only things I'm really on that I would consider maybe doing something would be Discord. But what we'd have to do is create a Discord and get, like, people who we just have to, like, post it on Twitter. But, hey, we're moving to Discord. If you want to join, here's the link. <laughs> you know, or something like that. Yeah. Or, I feel like we would get the niche audience that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. We're very niche. We are. <laughs> niche. Is that yeah. the right word? Niche, niche, whatever. N- n- niche or niche, I think okay. is right. Yeah. But I don't think that it would take some advertising on our part to get the people to just join up and be like, hey, you know. So the other thing, and Matt, this is the way I think uh, Elon Musk could save Twitter.com. This is a very controversial uh, proposal, but I think it has merit. And it was inspired by scrolling all of these like anti-Clark or anti-Lois tweets on the Adventures of Superman hashtag. And the idea is, what if you were required to show your age on your social media postings? (laughs) I think that... I think that would be really good because like if these if the people tweeting this are like in their teens or their early 20s, it would make me a lot more forgiving of their take. And it would also really reduce the aggressivity I feel to make fun of them. But if their late 20s are up, I want to go after them mercilessly. (laughs) And see that that too is the big issue because you can't. You can't make that happen because everyone's always going to get around it. It doesn't, I, I mean, it, it was like that with, it started with porn sites. Oh, you have to be over 18. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying they have Let me to do some over. math. I mean, that was the only, that was the, that was the time math came in handy. 
Figure out how many years you had to be ahead. <laughs> I'm not saying they have to be over 18 to post. I'm just saying it would be much healthier for my psychology if I knew how old the people posting this was and I could adjust my judgment of the post appropriately. Oh, I would love it too, but it's never, it's just never going to happen yeah, I because know, I, I want to say that they have a, a, you have to be at least 13 to have a Twitter. So then, you know what you're at least dealing with, but even then I don't want to interact with teenagers. Let, let the kids be the kids. I'm not, yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. trying to bully. I'm not trying to bully a teenager or, a, or but I feel like that would probably happen. And that also, that also set up a red flag. Yeah. Cause then you would know you're talking to like a 17 year old or a 16 year old get Jared from subway in there. Well, <laughs> Well, I mean, th I know this wouldn't go this way for everybody, but it's like if I knew I was digitally interacting with a 17-year-old, I would just immediately stop. Exactly. <laughs> when I read postings on Reddit or on Twitter, like sometimes I think they're just trolling, but then other times I can kind of pick up on stuff and be like, wait a minute, this kid's really upset because they spent all their allowance money on this video game, and that's why they hate it. <laughs> Not because... <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Not because yeah. it's that bad. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. You just kind of pick up on things. I I don't I don't spend much time on Reddit, and I always thought the convention of like the sort of like me parentheses like you know twenty seven comma m close parentheses you know my 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 boyfriend you know parentheses twenty six <laughs> comma m close parentheses. I always thought that convention was weird. But I, I'm now seeing the virtue to it, right? Oh yeah, it's it's yeah, it has to happen. They yeah. quickly adapted to make it to where you could communicate easily on Reddit if you want to avoid talking to people that are, you know, psycho, or if you want to just to like, that's you know, entertain yourself. <laughs> All right, but that's so, yeah. in a nutshell, guys. But <laughs> I, I, I do just want to like demographically understand like, you know, where these weird responses to things like star trek prodigy or to to uh to superman my adventures with superman i just it would be really interesting if you could like demographically kind of know where this is coming from when you're reading it on social media yeah i would love that you need to come up with a way to figure that out bob <laughs> and we also need right, to make Matt. sure we can find a way to sell them ads that are appropriate for their age demographic Yes, yes. Or or maybe we could just move to a, a more kind of public utilities model of social media where it wasn't inundated with ads. That would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Shut up, socialist. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm, I, how dare I have schemes to make life slightly more pleasant and easier for everyone? <laughs> All right. So to tease the next episode, uh, turns out maybe Gorilla City's in the woods, Matt? Maybe? Yeah, what's up with that? It this is randomly you have this giant ass gorilla meeting up with with Jimmy in the Metropolis woods. I mean, I don't, I don't, he did, I didn't catch where he was specifically going with this group. But. I don't think they really stressed it. Although, I mean, if Metropolis is anything like Hipsterville, Seattle, they do have some buses during the summer that will take you to trailheads for hiking. And there you go. That's probably what it was. Did you kind of think, though, Bob, at the end of the episode that Lois and Clark were going to end up in the woods with the camp, like, already set up? And Jimmy's like, gee golly, you know, how'd you guys get here so quick? You know, something <laughs> like that. I, I felt that coming at some point. Like, they weren't just going to forget about him. I, I think it could have been a really good gag 
but I also think given like where we are in the season and the tone of both like Jimmy realizing that Lois and Clark don't think about him at all and Lois and Clark kind of falling out over all this stuff, I just don't think it would have fit like the kind of emotional beats of the narrative. Just, just wasn't appropriate, but man, I thought it was going to happen. <laughs> all right, Matt. Well, this has been longer than we intended, uh, but you know, we had interesting meditations on student figures and social media. We'll see how much survives. Uh, this has been Uncanny Tracks coverage of Superman 2023, Episode 5. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.